Hello, this is Courtney from Wonder in English. The Wonder in English community provides free online English lessons for students with an intermediate to advanced level of English. For the full version of this lesson, don't forget to check out wonderinenglish.com, W-O-N-D-E-R in English.com. So today's topic is designer babies, and right now I'm going to list out a bunch of vocabulary words that I want you guys to listen out for during the podcast. Try to see if you can understand it within that context, and then at the end of the podcast, I'm going to go back and describe and explain them to you, and hopefully you got them right. So the first word is embryo. The second is pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. So that's really three words. <laughs> then genome, predispositions, especially predispositions to illnesses, implant, scoliosis, stature, tissue, donor, organs, IVF or in vitro fertilization, smallpox, and in a vacuum. Okay, so that's all the vocabulary I'm going to discuss on the podcast today, but don't forget that I explain even more vocabulary on the website wonderinenglish.com. So go check out the full lesson there. Today we're going to continue on our technology topics and we're going to discuss designer babies. So what are designer babies? A designer baby comes from an embryo that went through pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. And essentially what that means is they look at the human's genome, the embryo's genome, and then they examine if there are any predispositions to illnesses and they remove them from the mitochondria. And they could even use mitochondria from a third party to implant instead of the one that they have. What they do is they create an embryo that can be free of disease. So if you suffer, for example, from scoliosis, and this is, tends to run in family or have a predisposition to breast cancer, then you could create an embryo that doesn't have these issues by removing that mitochondria, that DNA. However, this also opens you up to the possibility of giving them a specific eye color or a hair color or skin color or stature. There's really no end to what can be discovered within the human genome nowadays. In his new book, Blueprint, the psychologist Robert Plowman said that you can even examine somebody's IQ within their genome. So that means those with a lot of money can actually edit their child's DNA so that they have a certain amount of intelligence and a certain look. Obviously, this brings about a lot of issues when we really think about it. This is more than just preventing future illnesses. This has the possibility for people to create what society will look like in the future. It could remove diversity from this planet. It's a scary new piece of technology because on one hand, we definitely need it in order to help people with serious illnesses that don't want their children to suffer from the same illness if it's genetically likely to happen. On the other hand, what if a parent is deaf, which is a whole special community, and they want their child to be deaf as well so that they could be in that community? 
Or what if they wanted a sibling to be born with a certain tissue that they could use as a donor for another sibling that's already been born that has an issue with a certain organ? Or what if all the people who can actually afford these costs of IVF and genetic diagnosis, what if they all begin to design their babies to be more intelligent than the average person? That would give their children the upper hand and allow them to achieve more in life because things are just coming much easier to them when they're more attractive and more intelligent. Life will just be a lot easier for them. So we put ourselves at the risk of creating a society that becomes uniform. So maybe there won't be this burden of genetic disease, but we are also simultaneously risking what makes us diverse. Currently, the average cost of in vitro fertilization, also called IVF, for women who are having trouble getting pregnant, costs over $20,000 for each try. If you add the genetic testing on top of that, it's another $10,000. And then they have to edit the genes and implant them into the womb. As you can see, this opportunity would only be available to those who are relatively wealthy and also those who are having trouble getting pregnant. Right now, there's not a lot of people using this technology. Currently, there is a researcher in China who just edited a genome of a few children and made them more resistant to cholera, smallpox, and HIV. And two of the twins were just born now without any problems. One of the concerns, though, is that we don't know the future safety for these children. Our genes are not happening in a vacuum. It's a part of an entire genome or whole environment that interact with each other in complex ways. And we don't understand the full extent of this interaction. So once we change or modify one gene, how can it affect the rest of the genes? And how will this unfold over the course of a lifetime? As you can see, this is quite the controversial issue. And I guess it will just take time to see how the situation unfolds. Okay, thanks for listening to this podcast and stay tuned for the description of all the words I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Okay, now let's get into the vocabulary. The very first word we brought up was embryo. So essentially an embryo is an unborn offspring. And in a previous podcast, I mentioned that offspring is the child of either a person or an animal. In this case, we're talking solely about people. So an embryo is an unborn offspring that's in the process of development. So normally we call something an embryo. After the egg and the sperm have come together, we say that it's been fertilized and that's not quite an embryo yet. It's an embryo from the second to the eighth week after fertilization. So when the egg and sperm have joined, the second week after that, we then begin to call it an embryo. We call it an embryo up to the eighth week, and then after the eighth week, we call it a fetus. So there's different terms for different developmental stages. Pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. This is a mouthful, but this is important to our topic here today. So essentially, implantation is when the fertilized egg, or like I said, that egg and sperm combined, attaches to the woman's uterus and this is where the baby grows until it's a full child. But before implantation or any of this takes place, 
the fertilized egg is examined by the doctor to see if the genes have any irregularities and can cause potential diseases or disorders or issues. So this is called the genetic diagnosis. And again, this is happening before implantation. That's why it's called pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. After the diagnosis, they're going to manually implant the embryo into the woman's uterus. A genome. So a genome is a complete set of genes or genetic material present in an organism. So all of your genes. Predisposition, predisposition to illnesses. So we use this word when you're likely to suffer from something or you're likely to act in a certain way. It can be used in a bunch of different scenarios. However, it's really pertinent and really common in this specific example. When you're talking about illnesses, we always mention predispositions. So for example, if both of your parents had cancer at the age of 50, well, you're predisposed to developing cancer at the same age as well. Implant. This means that you're inserting something into somebody's body. This often happens through surgery. So for example, once the embryo has been edited or changed, they'll then go and implant it into the mother's uterus manually, like I mentioned before. Scoliosis. So this is a sideways curvature of the spine and it makes your spine look like an S. It occurs often during the growth spurt that's right before puberty. So like nine, 10, 11, 12 years old before you start going through puberty, you grow really, really quickly, and this is when people tend to develop scoliosis. Stature, this is your height. Tissue, so a tissue is made up of a bunch of similar cells with the same origin, and they act together to carry out one specific function. An organ are a bunch of tissues that are working together. And these are recognizable structures within the body, like your heart, your lungs, your liver, your eyes, and your stomach, and these all perform specific functions as well. So a tissue is a simpler form of the more complex organ. A donor is a person who provides blood for transfusion, semen for insemination, or even an organ or tissue for a transplant. So this is only talking about a medical donor. IVF, this is in vitro fertilization. IVF is a process of fertilization that extracts the eggs from the mother and then gets the sperm sample from the father and manually combines them in a laboratory. The embryos are then taken and put into the uterus manually by the doctor, which I've mentioned twice already. They do this when the woman is having trouble getting pregnant. Smallpox. Smallpox is a disease that no longer exists in the world, but it was very, very deadly before 1980, at which point we did eradicate or get rid of the disease. It's a contagious and disfiguring, that means it changes your body to look worse, and usually deadly disease that affected humans for thousands of years. It didn't start to go away until the global immunization campaign where everyone were given shots or immunizations in order to stop this disease or prevent the disease. In a vacuum. When something is in a vacuum, you're saying that it's isolated from its normal context. I argue that nothing happens in a vacuum. For example, if you get married, there's always a cultural context a context of your family, of your finances, 
nothing happens completely alone and isolated by itself. It's all happening within an environment and within a context. So normally people use this statement to address the fact that it's not occurring in a vacuum. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to check out the full version of this lesson over on wonderinenglish.com. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.